All down. All silent. Going, going, going. Go on, Congratulations. Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader, Peter O'Malley, to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Hello and welcome to the Current Market Insights for another week. As always in the studio with me today is Mr. Peter O'Malley. Welcome. Oh, good day, Kieran. Great to see you. Peter, it's always great to see you. It really is. It really is. Look, uh, I want to talk this week, Pete, about campaigns and sales campaigns. Uh, it's a topic we love. We love, uh, you know, helping our vendors and, and educating them to, to be the best that they can in the market. I'm interested to, to get some sense from you. We've talked in the past about vendors taking time to research their agent, ask the right questions, you know, put in the hard yards at the beginning to make sure they get the right person for their property and for their campaign. What I want to know about today is once they've got that person on board, how does the vendor keep, a, a, I guess, an eye on the agent, keep an eye on the campaign, ensure or, or be aware of what's happening other than what they're being told, because we all hear stories of the agents telling me one thing, but I'm not sure it's it's right, or uh, I, I'm not convinced that the activity's there. As a vendor, what are the kind of signs and, and things that we need to look out for to make sure that we can stay on top of that campaign? Kieran, I think the key words that you mentioned there, other than what we are being told. So different agents with different experience levels will manage their clients um, in certain ways. And I think it's really important from a vendor's perspective that whilst the agent will be giving verbal and possibly written communication throughout the campaign, that you follow as the the vendor a few key metrics so that you can keep a a tab on the campaign as well to make sure your findings are segueing with what the real estate agent's telling you. Now, can I say that if you interview a range of agents and you select an agent who's aggressively above all the others on price, that agent could possibly be right and all the others were wrong with their lower price point valuations. But the reality is is that an agent that's completely disconnected to their competitors on price um, because they've they've shot above their competitors on price is, is over-quoting the expected selling price as a means of winning the listing. And that agent will be happy when they win the listing, but they have the problem at the moment you sign the agency agreement that they now have an overpriced listing on their books. And they'll have a range of tactics that they'll adopt both openly and um, and not so openly on the vendor to get that price expectation down. The most common is conditioning, where the agent will praise the property when they're trying to win the listing and then find fault with every element of the property once it has been listed. And they'll sometimes phrase that negative feedback in terms of buyer feedback. Look, the buyers really liked the view. They really liked the northern aspect of the backyard, but they felt the road was a little bit busy and the bedrooms were small. Now, the road was busy and the bedrooms were small at the time the real estate agent first looked at the property. It didn't suddenly, bedrooms didn't suddenly shrink and the and the road didn't suddenly become busy. So that's a, a very, I guess, basic description of, of what conditioning is there. But the things as a vendor that you should be looking for is um, how many people are attending the open inspections if you are doing open inspections. More importantly, 
how many people are returning for a second inspection of your property in ensuing open inspections? Uh, how many people have requested a copy of the contract or downloaded the strata report or the building report? Have they brought friends and family back for a second opinion? Um, have they asked if you'd consider lengthening or shortening the settlement period? Have they asked, um, is the property available for vacant possession once the lease expires? So any question where the buyer asks a greater detail about the property can give you some comfort as a vendor that the buyer's shortlisting your property. So you mentioned a couple of good things there, and I think uh, one that really stood out for me is is buyers who ask pertinent questions. You know, ones that are clearly got some forethought. They're they're potentially researched. They've got intent is the the main element there, I guess. As the vendor, though, what's the best way to ensure that you're in tune with those questions even being asked? If if we're you know assuming for this kind of scenario that we're not necessarily taking the agent's word on face value, uh, how can the the vendors ensure that they're being made aware of these questions and what's happening with their property? Well, say how how did this request come about? Whatever the request may be. And the agent might say, well, the buyer sent me an email last night asking these questions. I say, okay, well, I I respect what you're saying, Mr. Real Estate Agent, but can I see the email from the buyer so I can see what the buyer's saying in their words? You could obviously do the same with a text message, for example. Sometimes the communication shifts, Kieran, from real estate agent, buyer, vendor to vendor, solicitor, buyer, solicitor, vendor, buyer. And suddenly the real estate agent finds themselves, through no fault of their own, on the outside of the communication because the two parties' lawyers start talking about some of these things and the agent's the last to know. But as a vendor, if someone's asking for contract amendments or asking, do you have an occupation certificate, for example, on this uh, recently renovated home, don't take offence to that. That's what we call a buying sign. That's showing you that a buyer is looking to tick some boxes in readiness for the auction or readiness to make you a bid. So if you're a vendor and you have some concerns uh, that you're not necessarily being given the right information or you are being conditioned potentially, are there any proactive steps you can take to try and mitigate that, i.e. being sort of open in communication with your solicitor to ensure that they communicate any you know, requests? Or would you, would you encourage vendors to attend their own open homes potentially to, to see what's actually happening? Oh, look, uh, that's an interesting one. Mystery shop, the agent. It's been done more than once and it'll happen again. Sure, it's happened to all of us. Yeah, in, indeed. And and look, that's that's fair play as well. Um, you know, I've always run my sales career that uh, if a vendor was sitting in the lounge room as well showing buyers through their property, that they could listen to everything I've said to the respective buyer and, and be comfortable with what I've said because we, you know, we'd like to think we call it straight. So yeah, I think mystery shopping the agent's a good one. Um, in terms of lawyers, I'd like to just touch on, you must have a lawyer, a good real estate lawyer, Kieran. You don't want a high-powered lawyer that's in court three or four days a week and you're conveyancing matters a nuisance for them because they're not going to give you good service and your your matter, if you like, will be palmed off to their legal secretary. So um, uh, I won't go any further into the lawyer side of things there other than to say you just don't want a high-powered lawyer where conveyancing's a nuisance matter for them. You want to give your contract preparation and legals on a property manner to a lawyer that wants the business and can handle the business, not delegating it to a a paralegal internally. And that way, when there are contract amendments being made, you hear about it really quickly from there. Now, 
let's talk about none of these buying signs exist, but the agent's buyer criticism of the home is high. So you're getting high criticism of your property from your real estate agent in terms of feedback, but you're not hearing anything about repeat inspections, architects coming to look at future potential, mum and dad taking a, a second look at it on behalf of the kids before they make an offer, very few to no contract downloads, certainly no strata downloads. All of that suggests that the pricing of your property is disconnected with where the market is because there's no discernible evidence of any buying signs happening about your property after a a decent sustained period of time on market. So in that scenario, let's say, you know, I'm Mr. Vendor and I'm selling my property. We've met, you're the agent. We've we've had a great chat, in my opinion. I've agreed to do business and you've told me, you know, my property's worth X. And for, for argument's sake, you've overestimated for the sake of winning my business. And I felt, you know, really driven by that. You're then coming back and we don't have these buyer signs, but we've got all of this negative feedback. What's the best way for me to approach what is then going to be a relatively... I guess, sensitive discussion around, hey, I feel like I've potentially been misled here or or why is the feedback not occurring? You know, what's, why is it not relating on the ground the way that you told me it would? Okay, truly excellent question, Kieran. With the negative feedback, I want you to add the words after each negative comment at this price point. So the road's too busy at this price point. The bedrooms are too small at this price point. Because whilst the buyers are not saying to the real estate agent at this price point, that's what they're thinking. So that, as a vendor, is how you interpret a lot of negative feedback about your property in the absence of any positive buying signs from buyers. If you're getting negative feedback and positive buying signs from the buyers, you're all good. There'll always be resistance from buyers in the market. So we just sold something in Glebe, had had 200 inquiries, and um, 180 of those people said that the price guide we had on it, never mind where it ended up selling for, the price guide was too high. But there were half a dozen people that engaged deeply in the property and it went for $300,000 above the price guide in a silent auction. But all the other signs were there that the campaign was still on track. So that's right. We had both. We had buyer resistance, but we also had buying signs. So the scenario that we're talking about here, where you've been on the market for a decent amount of time and all you're hearing from your real estate agent is negative feedback about your property with very few positives to keep keep your heart in the game, if you like. If you add at this price point after each objection, that'll give you further clarity on how to play it. Once you've established that the price on your property is probably too high, for the current market, you need to ask yourself an equally pertinent question. Did the listing agent mislead me stroke lie to win the listing? Or have the market conditions changed from the time that I signed the agency agreement and it came to market? Is there new information from the time we signed the agency agreement to now when I'm getting this negative feedback that justify the price not achieving what the agent told me? For example, the agent might sign an agency agreement with you in good faith and say that your home, Kieran's worth $2 million. In between signing the agency agreement and coming to market, the pest and building inspection highlights that you've got uh, termites in the subfloor and uh, you have a uh, active leak in the roof and that uh, essentially the roof needs replacing at some stage in the, in the, the near future. That's new information that the real estate agent couldn't have been expected to know at the time of listing. 
But there's other times there where the agent has no excuse as to why they've got the price so horribly wrong other than they weren't researched well enough or they just simply over-embellished on price as a way of winning the listing. If that happens, you've got to ask the agent to stand down and terminate the agency agreement or take a lower commission as compensation for being misled into you signing that agency agreement. I think you raised a really interesting point and something that's probably not often thought about as a potential vendor is that, you know, often an agreement can be signed, you know, let's say for for argument's sake in a February, and then there's some rectification needs to be done, or there's some other works, painting, cleaning, or, you know, whatever it might be. And it may not actually go to market until August, for for example. That's a lot of time for the market to change, there are a lot of shifts. Uh, and as you say, a lot of time for new things to be discovered. Do you think it's reasonable for a vendor, or, or maybe even good practice for a vendor, if there is a slight protracted period before going to market to sit with the agent one more time prior to that and saying, hey, uh, can we just sit down and and make sure we're we're still on track with our price guide? Do we need to make any corrections before we start? Uh, It's a good thing to do to have full transparency there and give the agent an opportunity to highlight there have been some shifts if there have been. Look, between February and August of 2023, it's worked in agents' favours because the market's been trending up. Does it continue to trend up now that the mortgage cliff is impacting household budgets uh, in earnest? We we don't know. But certainly, um, in a rising market, any delay benefits the agent. Where in a falling market, say last year, if you as a real estate agent were to list the property in March and not get it to market, as I had happened and many other agents did, and you didn't get it to market till July, August, Well, we saw the first interest rate rise in 12 years last May, I think it was. Mm. Um, So, yeah, the game changed. Yeah, and it's uh, then I, I sh- well, as an agent, it's a tough conversation to then proactively turn around to your, your vendor and say, hey, look, things things aren't looking as good as they were when we first had this talk. Look, I listed one last week where I signed it up originally in August 2022. But they, it was post-dated to come on the market in April 22, sorry. But it was post-dated to come on the market in August 2022. And it didn't sell because that was a really rough phase in the market. And I said to the owners, I said, um, the first interest rate rise in 12 years was last May. And we signed an agency agreement last April, but your property didn't make it to, to the market until August. So circumstances beat us. And they just laughed and said, that's always the way with us. That's just our luck. And they could be philosophical about it. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't their fault. They just weren't ready to get to the market anytime sooner. The market's obviously had a good year this year and they've brought their property back to market and they've brought it back to the market with us because they know that we just played it straight. So if a a dynamic event happens like two or three interest rate rises in a row for the first time in 12 years, that shouldn't be a tough conversation for the agent because they don't control monetary policy in the country. <laughs> it's just That's just events and all markets are beholden to events. So um, you want an agent, my point there, Kieran, is you want an agent with a bit of a spine. If an agent finds the fact that there's been some external changes in the market that have impacted the price I originally told you, if the agent can't have that conversation, they're not cut out to be a real estate agent because I wish real estate sales was always telling people what they want to hear, but it's not. No. It translates directly that the agent that can't have a tough conversation definitely cannot negotiate a tough deal on your behalf. 100%. So look, uh, I wonder then, as a, I guess a, a preemptive measure for a vendor who 
is is you know they've met their agent. Let's go back to our scenario. We've had these discussions. I brought you on board. Do you think it would be reasonable or a good idea for me to say to you a week out from the campaign, just before we start? Hey, Peter, look, what I want you to do is just let's go for a walk through, and I want you to tell me all of the negatives that you think we might see on the property, just so we can be a little bit aware and and you know prepare ourselves for the conversations we might need to have. Uh, look, some some clients do that and have done that over the years and, and will into the future. I don't know how much value they get out of it. I, I, I like to say even the finest property on Louisa Road, Birchgrove, has an Achilles heel. Every property has an Achilles heel and every property you know, has a, a, an appealing feature. At, at the end of the day, we've just got to price the product accurately and the market will come. You don't need to underquote. You don't need to overprice. If you price a property at the market price for what that product is worth, you will attract the market. Once you've attracted the market and you've got a couple of buyers saying, we're interested, how do we buy this thing? Then it comes down to competitive forces of the field of bidders Who's the best one? So I wouldn't encourage any vendor to run around and say to their real estate agent, tell me all the negatives on this property. Because as the vendor, you probably know the negatives more than the real estate agent. I think a better conversation is what are the positives here and what are the Achilles heels that we need to be aware of? And more importantly, is there anything that we can improve or change to our benefit prior to going to market? I think that's a more above the line, higher level conversation, Kieran. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, really, really good answer. I think we, uh, I'd encourage anyone listening who's interested in, in learning more about that to, to go back. You know, not too long ago, we had a great topic about, you know, repair versus renovate, uh, talking about styling and different ways to improve the, the saleability of your property. Uh, all really good information. Look, Peter, as we kind of wrap up today, uh, any final thoughts for, for anyone out there, any vendors, any other, you know, key metrics that they might want to keep an eye on just to make sure that they've got the best chance of success? I think listing with a real estate agent always comes down to trust, and it's trust on two levels. You trust their um, integrity, you trust the agent's competence. And if you can get those two things right, you'll have a pretty good experience. I think selecting a real estate agent because you like them, um, even though you may overlook some flaws in their uh, pricing strategy or their marketing strategy, that will ultimately come undone. And look, we all like to save a quid, but I find those that go shopping for the cheapest service provider, often end up with the worst experience. Certainly been my experience with anything I've ever purchased, that's for sure. Look, Peter, great chat today as always. Really, really important topic. And I certainly hope that anyone listening has has found something valuable in there. As always, I look forward to talking to you next time on the Current Market Insights Podcast. Indeed. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.